welcome. I'm Jean Parker, and you're listening to Discovering How, a podcast of the Ethical Business Building the Future organization. We're a global learning community using our workplaces to build a better future. On today's program, we're discovering how people find their own path to meaningful work by hearing the personal stories of three individuals. One thing all of them have in common is that their formative years set the stage for their ability to develop work which is meaningful and transformative in society. We'll hear how the circumstances of Daira Pujara's childhood in India shaped his views on diversity. Elsie Mayo tells us about a childhood memory that changed the whole course of her career. But first, Nazan Naraki grew up in the diverse nation of Papua New Guinea. He has held many jobs in his career and always strives to keep his integrity and values intact while maximizing his impact on society. He currently works with Invato, an online marketplace that sells digital artistic creations people can use to make web pages, logos, and advertising. He began by explaining his work and how it promotes justice. So we sell everything from website templates to graphics to plugins to photo, video, um, code. We even sell code. So all, all things media related, especially for the online space. How does this lend itself to things like uh, ethical principles and spiritual values? Tell me about that. I think one of the things within Vado that really strikes me is this concept of the what I like to call the democratization of uh, creativity in a sense and earning from your creativity. So for example, um, if you're an artist, there's one guy in particular I'm thinking about, he's gone from being a, a really great artist, you know, he's on the streets of Indonesia, uh, drawing portraits of people with pencil, you know, making only a few dollars here and there per portrait. And he's now gone from being, you know, doing that to actually selling his art online to, you know, thousands of people around the world and basically getting what he deserves for it. One of the, you know, they found that in uh, depression and people that have lost their jobs, one of the most important things for them to do is to immediately start working as soon as possible because that's, you know, it's just, there's a slide, you know, people slide quickly into depression because they no longer have a purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of part of what this is about as well, where now people have gone again from having a limited uh, number of people they can sell their products to, to now being in touch with the rest of the world. I mean, we literally have millions of users around the world. Um, so that, that in itself definitely opens up. Uh, the playing field and then also that has an effect and there's also this concept of encouragement as well I think um, somebody's art or you know hard work is appreciated by so many people everywhere why did you choose to work this way so I've been very fortunate because I um, you know uh, studied political science and history international relations and my life went in a different direction uh, and went into media. And I feel like for me, it was very important to be in a field that had maximum impact in society. And I think so many fields have maximum impact, but for some reason I felt that, you know, media, different forms of media was a very powerful way to create change. 
And I think that was in line with my own personal goals and values. And also, I've been very fortunate that I've been, you know, it hasn't been easy at times, but I've always tried to choose the kinds of companies I work for um, and the kind of work that I do within them. I mean, for me, trying to be aligned with that um, is, is important. Of course, it's a constant uh, process and we're all working towards, you know, being better at everything we do and, and having integrity and things and, you know, applying virtues to our lives. But it's something that I've been fortunate enough to be able to try and pick and choose the kinds of projects I work on and the companies I work for. Was the path always clear to you as to how to proceed? Example, if you go to apply for a job, you're, you're looking at a particular company and you want to work in a certain way. And maybe that company meets some of those expectations that you have, but not all of them. What's your decision-making process for who you actually want to associate with in your working life? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, everything you do and everyone you work for, you can always try and apply integrity and uh, correct, you know, moral principles to how you work, your work ethic and everything, no matter who you're working for. I have worked for Coca-Cola, I've worked for CNN, and I've worked for um, Envato, and I worked for a not-for-profit arm in East Timor as well, creating a a media production house there. I don't think avoiding challenge in the workforce, for example, or a company you work for is necessarily the right way to go. I think it's easy for a lot of people to say, well, I don't want to be faced with these kind of ethical or moral dilemmas, so I'm not going to go down that route. I don't know if that's necessarily the way. When I first started working at CNN, I was extremely worried about the kind of questions which might come up as far as, you know, principles and morals go and like, do we cover this topic or do we cover that topic? Do we, you know, like, um, I think those are always questions that you ask yourself, but I feel like it's important for people to work within those fields so that they can help uh, things get better. I think avoiding that type of thing, I would say we don't need to avoid that. You know, I think there's definitely a room for getting involved with things that are difficult and trying to improve them. What did you learn in school about ethics and values in your working life? Was that ever talked about when you were in school? Um, I was very fortunate. I grew up in Papua New Guinea in the Pacific Islands, and I went to an international school. Um, As a result of that, it wasn't necessarily as much a part of our curriculum, but when you're with so many diverse people, my international school, there's about 800 of us in the school, and we were literally from probably half of the world's countries. Um, There's so many people there from different places. So those kinds of questions of belief, faith, religion, ethics are always coming up. So I feel, um, I feel very fortunate in a way to have been presented with so, uh, such a diversity of ideas of what morality is, what culture means, what, culture doesn't mean and traditions and how those things are applied because you know people talk about spirituality or religion or ethics but I think the difficulty is how that's applied in everyday real world scenarios so I think I was very fortunate to have gone to an international school um, being raised in Papua New Guinea and also just being in Papua New Guinea itself 
Here I was, a Persian-American in a completely different environment. Papua New Guinea has 850 different languages. That's not dialects, that's languages. If you include the dialects, that's 1,500. It's more than half the world's languages in that island. And if you think about 850 languages with each language group is its entirely own culture, tradition, judicial system, belief system. My dad was a doctor and we really traveled quite a bit in Papua New Guinea and went to a lot of these villages in, in the deep jungles where people um, have their traditional systems and values. And I think I was just always kind of exposed to that kind of diversity of thought, idea, belief, principle, religion, and also how those are carried out in everyday life. Daira Pujara is the CEO of Y Center, an online learning platform. He began learning about diversity growing up in India's stratified society. I'm not sure if I would say I learned about it. I'm still learning. Uh, but I definitely started knowing about it as a child. Uh, and my first uh, page in the chapter of diversity, as I like to call it, is uh, learning about the difference between someone's ability to buy things. As a child, when I saw someone who didn't have the same access as I did, I'm like, wow, that is different. And my mom said, yes, it is. Uh, and the difference is because of someone's ability to, you know, their financial ability. Mm -hmm. So my first introduction to the world of diversity was financial status of uh, people, uh, mostly the students that and my friends around me. So yes, it, it started at that age. Uh, also growing up in India was interesting because it's such a chaotic, organized as well society. So from looking at that organized chaos, I think my brain was always working and I was always that curious person would ask, hey, why he doesn't have the same thing that I have? Why she doesn't, uh, why she is not doing as I am doing this? Why she's not allowed to go to college uh, while all my friends are going, all the boys are going and then you know, I started to learn um, because of the situation that was created around me in the place where I was growing up, which was India. How does diversity matter? Um, how does it matter? Mm -hmm. uh, the answer also lies in answering maybe why it matters. Uh, and for me, I think um, uh, in the most basic, it's a, it's a big question. It's when, who you are. Yeah, that's yeah. what I think. In fact, because I have eight hours of corporate experience, I only worked... <laughs> I only worked one day uh, in a big company and uh, so I don't have much corporate experience and I know from a lot of my friends who are working for these big companies telling me that they have diversity programs and I'm like, why do you need them? Like, uh, And then I realized because that's not how, not everyone has a default state of believing that we have to be diverse. For me, I just don't know otherwise. Uh, so for me, uh, I think that's why it matters because I believe for anything to work uh, in anything to work properly, you need all the components for it to work. And, and I'm a biomedical engineer by education. I think that's why diversity matters. Just look at, our, at your own body at any given time. You have thousands, millions of cells working together to make sure you're alive and pumping enough blood to stay alive and think right. And that's why I think diversity matters. Elsie Mayo reinvents corporations and individuals around the world through her organization, Humanity Inc. I asked her, why she began doing this work, and what inspires her to continue. I'll share it because for whoever listens to this, they might be able to relate. So I, I uh, grew up and entered my career days very, very ambitious. And I went to Wall Street. Um, I was curious to know, wow, money is power. How does this work? 
And I got a sense of how it works from the investment side. And then I went to McKinsey and Company. And I've always been in communications. And I got to see at McKinsey and Company really how decisions were made at the highest levels of power in the business world. And I saw that, um, you know, there's, there's data and data can be used in so many different ways. And ultimately there was some kind of a personal intuition or choice or preference that would sway decision makers one way or another. I was very interested to see how um, decisions were actually made in the C-suites of power and observed, of course, the role of market research, data, um, analyses, et cetera, best practice studies that played a role. But ultimately, all things being equal, there was an intangible uh, personal element that would sway a big decision one way or another. And that interests me very much because to me, that was um, the opportunity for the human to actually construct the future <laughs> out of some kind of uh, choice. That was the place where human beings were shaping the world. And so I, I went in, I discovered another field that actually paid more attention to that than the data, which was corporate identity, where we got to really sit down with the leaders of companies and say, what is your vision? And I was very, very, very successful being uh, the daughter of a blue collar family with very high values. And I had a lot of ambition. And I got to be more successful than I ever thought I could be. And one day woke up with ashes in my mouth because I didn't really see what I was accomplishing except helping the powerful forces become more powerful and concentrate money in those halls of power. And I was just bereft because what had driven me for so many years was gone. And I saw that if I stayed on that course, I would die. I felt like I would die. I literally tasted ashes in my mouth one morning when I woke up. And uh, I, I searched for where is there a glint of appetite in me to keep going? Like what, what could possibly interest me? And um, I had this flash of a memory of myself as a child I think I was younger than eight and it just occurred to me, gosh, I just don't understand. Why aren't people getting along? Why are there poor people? Why am I contributing to the poor missions in my Catholic school to help put shoes on, on children's feet who don't have shoes? There's obviously enough to go around in this world. This doesn't make sense. That query is what drives me. It's what caused me to go on this path, to go on a sabbatical from my business and write the economic argument for corporate responsibility. And I've been on that path ever since, and that's been since 1997. So that came from your childhood, that sense of justice, seeking justice and doing things that make the world a better place. 
Yeah, and also the absolute conviction that there really is no reason not to, except our choice. I know how decisions are made. This is a question of choice. And I also know that there is enough technology, enough ingenuity and resource in our world for everyone to be thriving. It is a matter of collective choice. Thank you for joining us. We hope today's program has inspired you, our listeners, with ideas for discovering how we can all build a prosperous, just, and sustainable civilization. This has been Ethical Business Building the Future, Discovering How. Get more from this podcast by sharing your comments, an article, or a link to something that's important to you. You can contact us on our website, www.ebbf.org. I'm Jean Parker for EBBF, and I thank you for listening.